Welcome to the Brisbane Lions Big Footy Podcast. I'm Keegs, and I'm going to be joined by Ollie to dissect the Essendon game. Uh, we're going to talk about if it was an honourable loss or one that got away for the boys, and then we'll look at Stefan Martin's big game, what to do with Daniel Rich, and then look ahead to the Saints at Eddie had this Sunday. Finally, we're going to wrap up the AFLW season with the award winners from the Brisbane Lions. Let's do it. All right, Ollie, welcome to episode two of the Big Footy Brisbane Lions podcast. We're actually called, uh, we were described as making public transport bearable in episode one. So I think that's a good way to get, think, get the ball rolling. No, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, obviously, we're not uh, talking on the terms we were last weekend after a good win. This time we went down to the Bombers by 27 points. Um, yeah, obviously... We're a bit flat and probably the first and especially the second quarter, but the third quarter was pretty inspiring footy and the way we fought back and took the lead. But um, yeah, just ran out of legs and I think the class of Essendon sort of got them over the top in the end. Yeah, it was a disappointing second quarter. They really didn't fire a shot and it was probably harking back to last year at times where we just really had flat periods. But Mm. to our credit, we really showed a lot of fight in the second half of that second quarter and then go into the third quarter where we just played some brilliant footy, some of the best footy we've played in probably the last three or four years. It was just so exciting to see. But, yeah, I think we just used too much energy getting back into the game. We're 42 points down. So mm. it's always pretty hard to come back from that sort of uh, position. Yeah, but sure. we are able to get in front early in that last quarter when Hippel would kick that amazing goal. <laughs> and it was just so much excitement about him. But, I feel like we might yeah, be saying Essendon, that a bit this year, amazing oh, goal from Hipwood. I hope so. He was brilliant. But yeah, Essendon, I think, yeah, they just had too much left in the tank at the end. We just looked really flat in the last 10, 15 minutes. We had our chances. Louis Taylor, probably, yeah, a couple of chances. One, he'd probably like his time over again. And yeah. Zorko's 50-meter penalty as well. He knew it straight away. He pushed uh, the Essendon player and it was an automatic 50 and he knew it, mm. just the look on his face. So that was a really costly 50 as well. But there was a lot to like, but yeah, still very disappointing that we didn't get the win. Um, I thought we'd start by talking about some of the numbers, the stats from the game, because they were pretty impressive reading actually. We won clearances 41 to 31, which is something we've struggled with over the last few years. And we actually won inside 50s, 55 to 53, and contested possessions, 149 to 141. So I think the indicators are there that we're playing well, because certainly contested possessions is something we've struggled with in the last few years. So I feel like on face value, there's some good signs there. Oh, some really good signs there. And it's a funny old game footy, because we lost most of those areas against Gold Coast, but we still mm. won the game. Yeah. Whereas this week, we are able to win a lot of those key areas, and we lost. So it's just yeah, one of those things, footy at times. But, I suppose the difference between yeah. this week and last week is we probably took made the most of our chances last week, whereas this week, as you said, Louis Taylor, I think he had five shots on goal for one goal, and Hipwood five yeah. shots for two goals. Um, so, yeah, yeah I mean... Sure, but- Steph Martin really got us on top in that third quarter in the ruck. He was just sensational. And it was, mate, it was such a good quarter, but it was sort of disappointing at the same time we didn't capitalise like mm. that in the first half because 
where they really got on top Essen in that second quarter was the clearances. They were just killing us, and there was nothing we could do about it. But then, like, we always had the advantage there with Steph Martin against McKernan, not really a recognised Ruckman in, yeah. in there. So Steph just really got on top. But at the same time, it would have been good to see that a bit earlier. Yeah, so Steph finished the game with 23 touches and 42 hitouts, And as you said, against McKernan, undersized, sort of makeshift Ruckman in the absence of Lewenberger and Bell Chambers. But um, yeah, he was really the driving force, force for us in that third quarter. Um, someone who didn't get going until the last quarter was Daniel Rich. Up until three-quarter time, he had five touches, and I think Cameron Ling on the telecast was pretty critical of him. Um, to his credit, Rich did get going in that last term, and he actually did cop a bit of battering. I think Danaher got the knee into his hamstring or bum or something that would have left him a bit sore. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's been Daniel Rich's problem for a while, isn't it? Like, just staying in games for a long time and, um, yeah, making the most of his possessions... He just can't get into it at the moment. Yeah, it's really disappointing because when he does have the ball in hand, there's probably not many better kicks in the AFL and it's mm. been like that for a long time where he's just such a great kick and if he does find it, he can either kick a goal or set up a goal mm. or set up playoff halfback. So, yeah, they were really getting stuck into him on the telecast. Yeah. Darcy as well, Cameron Ling, they were really critical of him, but... You have to go back to that first quarter, like you mentioned. He got a, a couple of really big hits, and I think that might have had a, a bit of an impact. Yeah, he might but, have been a bit sore. Yeah, he just really hasn't <laughs> gone to that elite level that we thought he might after on that rising star. Mm. And he sort of goes in and out of games. But I he's think... never going to be one of those guys that gets 30, 35 possessions a game. No. But even if he does get 20, 25 possessions, especially if he can kick it, 15 to 20 times, we're going to mm. probably win more games than we lose just with how amazing he is with that long left kick. I think you're right. He's never going to be a high possession getter, but to have five touches in three quarters as one of the leaders of the footy club, yeah. it, yeah, it wasn't good enough. And no. for me, the thing he's struggling with is his role. He's playing that sort of midfielder who rests forward, but when he gets forward, he sort of looks a bit lost, doesn't make the leads and... You know, he has he kicked a goal and he's he's um often in range. It's not hard to get Daniel Rich in range. But um yeah, I think he's really struggling playing forward of the ball rather than in defence or off half back when he can sort of, you know, get a few cheapies and get going that way. So um Yeah, and he has probably struggled with a tagger for most of his career. Mm. If he has a really hard tag or just a lot of defensive pressure on him, then he doesn't have the pace to to break away from a tag or a really um, big defensive role. So yeah, it's just something he's got to work at. And being, I guess, 26, he mm. probably needs to work that out sooner rather than later. So I'm sure he'll come good. That was just an off night. And I reckon those hits early would have had something to do with it. And I'm sure on the um, indoor arena at Etihad, well, if it's open... <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a really good game against the, the Saints this week. So we'll preview the Saints game a bit later on, but do you think at this stage he's under any threat to lose his spot? Like, is it sort of crisis time in that regard, or do you think he's got a few uh, runs on the board, a few credits in the bank that, you know, an off game like the Essendon game, we can sort of look the other way and um, back him in to bounce back next week? Oh, you've got to give him a few more chances. only round two. Mm. He's had... 
one pretty bad game. It, it was okay against the Suns without mm. being groundbreaking. But, yeah, I think we've got to give him a, a few more chances, especially being a vice-captain, a leader in the side. And what he can do when he has a good game, I think, far out where he's, if he does have a bad game. But we just need to see more consistent consistency from him, yeah. which would be great to see. And I think, yeah, that will see us win a lot more games than we lose. But, yeah, I think he's, he's safe for a few more weeks. But he wouldn't want to put in too many more performances like... He did in the, the first three quarters on Saturday night. Before we move on to the St Kilda game, as you mentioned, we're actually going to have a little debate, mate. You ready to lock horns? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So we're going to talk about this week. Uh, was it an honourable loss to Essendon or one that got away, mate? Nah, one that got away for sure. Come on, we only had the <laughs> second quarter. It was probably 15 minutes where we lost the game. Mm. Just the fade out and that that 15 minutes during the second quarter. And other than that, we're, we're right in. That first quarter was really solid, even though Essendon came out guns blazing. They were playing some good footy, but so yeah. were we. But we mm. really just faded and just had that lapse that really cost us in games last year. So I think we have to see it as one that got away if we want to become a really successful club again. I think mm. Chris Fagan did a really good job in the press conference yeah, and afterwards and just approach, getting that point across that, Yes, there were some good signs there, but we should have won that game. All the, the areas pointed, uh, the key indicators pointed to us winning that game, but it was just that really poor, I think it was eight goals in a row at one stage. And mm. You just can't have that happen. We just have to work uh, and find ways of just not letting, getting, letting um, teams get runs on. Because that's just all too common the last few years, and we've got to yeah. stop that. So I think it is the one that got away, but there were some good signs there. Um, I'm. I think Chris Fagan obviously agreed with you in the way that he took his press on. But I'm going to come from the opposite angle and say it was an honourable loss because I think you have to consider where we're coming from. Last year we had a percentage of sixty-one point six, and the average losing margin was sixty points. After the second quarter, we fought back and we took the lead. And I think if that second quarter, had that have been last year, we would have folded and lost by 10 goals for sure. Like, that was on the cards. And as you said earlier, like, it just felt like, oh, here we go again. This is last year. Um, But what a lot of people don't realise is that the 2017 Brisbane Lions is pretty much the same as last year. I mean, Beams is back, that's true. And we've thrown in Frost and Barrett. But overall, it's essentially the 2016 Lions. We've got no draftees in the team yet. They'll come in over the coming weeks. And in my opinion, you have to regard that as a big tick for the coaching staff and how they've been able to turn around what was such a defeated group in just eight months. And I think you have to consider Essendon as well. They're a good side. They've got class all over the ground and a really potent forward line led by Danaher, Hooker, Fantasia, McDonald, Tip and Woody. Like they're small forwards with very good. And overall, I think they're, they are a finals caliber side and we should hold no shame for losing to them. So could we have won? Yeah, of course we could have. But in a development season like ours, you have to take a glass half full approach and relish the incremental improvements in that journey that we're on. We won't contend for finals this year and I think we all recognize that. But turning a 60 or 80 point loss into a near win and to show a wealth of fight is a really big step in the right direction for mine. So that that's why I thought it was an honourable loss. But um, 
Mate, we'll let the listeners decide who who won the debate. But um, yeah, some good points I think from both sides of the argument. And as you said, I think either way you look at it, we're pretty bullish about where the future lies. Yeah, definitely, it would have been good to get that that second win. That the well, I mean, it's would have been good sky to win, high but... after a win like that. But yeah, no, yeah, we just got to learn from that and yeah, and move on to next week. Um, so next week, as you said, we've got St Kilda in what would be the first game for Victorian fans to come see the Lions. Uh, the Saints uh, zero and two, having lost to Melbourne and West Coast. Although they probably should have got over West Coast had they had had they made the most of their opportunities earlier in the game. And you know, I think people always complain about the run of the umpires over in the West, but um, St Kilda fans certainly were upset about that. Um, Combination of both, I think, over there for the Saints. Yeah. Do you think we have a chance at Etihad Stadium on Sunday? Oh, for sure. The way we played for three and a a bit quarters on the weekend, if we bring that again, Mm. absolutely we can. And I think St Kilda does have a very good record at Etihad Stadium, Mm. but at the same time, they'll most likely be missing Jack Stephen, their best on bowler, and Nick Rewalt, the... Mm. They're fearless leader. So, two big outs for the Saints. I think and Armitage is still out as well. Armitage is still out as well. So, they've probably got a, a few problems there, the Saints, even though they're expected to be a team on the rise. And I, I really rated them last year. They had some big wins. But, yeah, those first couple of weeks, things didn't go to plan for them. So, mm. I think we're definitely a chance. It's going to be a tough game. St Kilda and Addy had always a tough game. But, yeah, it would just be great to see us bring that fight and willingness on the road mm. because, yeah, obviously it is hard as a young side to travel well at times. But I think our record has been okay at Etihad without being amazing. Like, over the last couple of years, obviously we haven't won too many games at all, but I think <laughs> we've had some okay performances at Etihad yeah. when you, you weigh that up with other grounds. So I think we're, we're every chance to get that second win. Um, do you foresee any changes? Actually, last week on the podcast, we talked about Essendon small forwards being a real threat. And so it turned out Fantasia kicked five. Yeah, Donald Tippinley was, spot was on. one of the better players on the ground. And Travis Collier was pretty, pretty good as well. Um, so Chris Fagan, tune in. But I think one of the threats this weekend... <laughs> will be St Kilda's tall forward line. So on the other end of the spectrum, they've got obviously Paddy McCartan, a former early round pick. Uh, Tim Membre is sort of a handy third tall. Um, Josh Bruce, really good tall forward as well. Um, do you, are you worried that the Saints could stretch our defence? Yeah, with from back in, I think in terms of defensive, tall defensive forwards, we're probably... Okay, but yeah, we did get shown up with Essen small fours last week, and their pace mm. really worried us. And they're going to worry a lot of sides this year. Essen, yeah. and they were very impressive, especially with their speed. Zach Merritt was incredible, and Fantasia. Like, oh, I hadn't seen much of him to be honest, but I was I was blown away by his performance, as a lot just of took people would have been. It was really frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just didn't miss one. It was yeah, it was um, very frustrating. But yeah, that those tall forwards. They're still pretty young, most of them. Mm. But, 
when they get up and going, especially at Eddie had as well. They're, they're a real threat. Memory's a very accurate kick at goal. Yeah. McCartan's still developing. Hasn't had a good run with injuries. Had a few concussions and, and bad injuries. But, yeah, Josh Bruce has been a really good performer. A bit hot and cold. But on his day, he's uh, a real, real danger. So, I think... Yeah, Frost will definitely keep his spot, and he'll play one of those guys. And yeah, probably McStay might get one as well. So, so I you, think you'd swing McStay backwards, like he sort of drifted mm. from down back and up front against the Bombers. Would you start him down back? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I think he has to start down back for okay. sure with those that three prong forward line. So, yeah, I think with the tall fours, are probably okay. So. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one. Their midfield probably um, not quite as potent as as Essendon, but they've still got a, a few threats in there. But yeah, they are a bit under Manson Kilda, so I think if we're going to get them, it's a good time right now. Yeah, that midfield ascendancy will be a big one as to if we can uh, upset the Saints. Um, so okay, you talked about McStay and Frost, two probably borderline-ish. Selections. Would you foresee any other changes or any changes made at the selection table this week? Well, we've done well at kicking goals the last couple of weeks, and that has probably been a problem in recent years. But I think with Shaky doing pretty well in the the kneeful, mm. he's always a chance to come back in. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's hard to know who to drop at the moment because everyone's really having a crack and. It's like there were stages last year where changes had to be made because mm. we just weren't showing any progression. There wasn't really any signs of a lot of effort there. And, yeah, there just had to be changes. But at the moment, it's it's hard to really see any guys dropping out. But I think Shaggy's always one that could potentially come back in. Yeah, and as you said, he kicked four in the kneeful last weekend. Yeah. And what was a win for the Lions reserves against the Swans reserves? The Swans reserves... Yeah. Uh, made the grand final last year, so that's a good Yeah, I, I, really good signs to have our NEFL side very competitive. The last few years, mm. we've been on the bottom, near the bottom of the AFL ladder and yeah. haven't done much better in the NEFL as well, but uh, it's just so important to have both your teams up and going. So there's pressure on both sides for, for spots. Mm. So if the NEFL side is playing really well, guys are banging down the door then and the guys on the senior side are like we've got to, got to perform to keep our spot so that's just a really healthy yeah, you um, that competitive state that's really yeah. yeah it's important for a developing list um, but some of the names running around the NEFL on the weekend it's a shame that the game was changed at the last minute because it would have been really good to see some footage from the game like you had Alex Witherden uh, Jared Berry Josh Shackey running around Hugh McLuggage obviously was back, uh, Cedric Cox. So, you know, all our mm. higher draft picks from the last two years running around in the twos, it's a pretty it's a pretty good place to be in, actually. Yeah, um, Cedric Cox might have been handy on the weekend. Mm. I know he's, he's still a developing player, but yeah. with his pace down back, he might have been a yeah. handy on one of those small Western forwards. Yeah, for sure, um, as we've talked about. The speed of the Essendon forwards definitely found us out, so that might be one in the um, looking forward next time we come up against a, a faster forward line. Um, yeah, the only change that 
I could potentially see is maybe giving Jared Berry a run. He had high possession numbers, high marks, I think a fair few tackles as well in the knee yeah. So he could be one that slots in as like a competitive midfield, half-back, half-forward sort of linking player. I don't know who would make way for him, but I know as a fan it'd be exciting to see one of the draftees as well. Um, yeah, I mean, human luggage was obviously prominent throughout the preseason as well, so he's every chance to come back in. Yeah, for sure. Matheson probably... Yeah, still a few weeks away, I think. With injury, yeah, but the injury yeah. injury list is actually looking the best it has in years. We've only got Skinner, Bundy, and Matheson on there now, and obviously Ken Hanley's on personal leave, mm. but um, yeah, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, definitely touch wood, but it hasn't been like that for a long time. It's usually about 10, 15, 20 deep, so yeah, yeah it's a I did notice, start, actually, in the last minute, um, Darcy Gardner pulled up a bit lame, so that might be one to watch during the week if he's okay, so hopefully mm, he gets yeah. up. Um, yeah, a few m- nervous moments there with Beams, jeez. When oh he was down in the middle in the last quarter, I was like, oh, oh mm. you gosh, you'll be joking. His so goals, commentators too. were yeah, fearing for him as well, but he, he was able to come back on and run the game out, so I don't know, he might have just got stomped on his his foot yeah. or something like that, and it just really stung for a while. But that was yeah, very hard. Right, he's okay. Mm. Oh, was it ever? Um, so before we move on from looking ahead to the Saints this weekend, just get a quick prediction, mate. What are your thoughts on the margin and the winner? I think it's going to be a pretty tough sort of defensive game. I I can't really see a big shootout, even though the Saints do have a pretty decent forward line. I think we might get up by eight points. I'm really looking forward to seeing our marking forwards. Like, Hipwood and McStay pretty much flew at everything that came in the forward line against the Bombers on a really dry Eddie Head deck. Like, if those some of those marks stuck last weekend, oh, yeah. we, we probably win. So, to see those two... Up front, flying for marks, hopefully clinging them. That's something that really excites me. Um, yeah, as we've talked about, I think we're every chance to win this game, especially with the personnel. I think Montagna's actually out as well. We missed that one before when we were talking about that. Yes. Yeah, I've got a few out, the Saints. It's a good yeah. time to get them. So, yeah, exactly. If we were going to beat the Saints at Etihad, this is our chance. And, yeah, I really hope the boys show up because we're a red-hot crack. I think we get home by goal in a thriller. Yeah, Hipwood will take a bag. Take that. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Hipwood's got to be one of the most exciting players we've yeah, seen man. at the Lions in oh, a very long time. It's going to be as exciting a player as a young Jonathan Brown, really. Yeah, he's just just what he can do with his marking, his running, his kicking, and just at only nineteen to be mm. doing what he's doing. Just so much upside there. I, he has so many tools, and like he yeah. was about a foot from getting away from James Kelly on half-back in the fourth quarter and running 70 metres yeah. for a goal. Like that, yeah. You just don't get that sort of speed and acceleration from someone who's over 200 centimetres. Like he, I'm just way too excited about Eric Hillwood. Oh, I think most people, most line supporters are at the moment. Um, before we sign off on episode two, we're going to talk about the AFLW Awards, which rounded out our women's season for the year. Um, so the All-Australians for the Lions were Emily Bates, uh, Sabrina Frederick-Traw, Kat McCarthy, Taylor Harris, and Sam Virgo. 
Um, anyone unlucky or lucky to make it out of those in that selection there, mate? Uh, we would have liked to see a few more girls in there, but I think five is a really good effort, even though yeah. a few of them were on the bench. Mm. But, yeah, to have five in the, the first team out of 22 is uh, an incredible effort by the girls, and they all deserve their spots. They all had their moments throughout the season. I think- Frederick Traub, she's going to – like. Freddie Traub and Taylor Harris, considering how young they are, key position players. Yeah. Oh, the future is so bright there. Absolutely um, incredible. Frederick Traub in that grand final, she was. Yeah, she was big. Incredible. We'll talk about the best and fairest later, but I think you could have raffled it off between her and Emily Bates. For yeah. all Australian, for me, it was disappointing that there weren't uh, more defenders acknowledged. Like Sam Virgo's obviously defender, but. You know, the Lions had the best defence in the competition and to have one player uh, mm. make the All-Australian team, that was pretty disappointing for mine. Like, I think Nick Hildebrand, yeah. uh, Leah Kasler. I don't know how Leah Kasler didn't make it. She is, in my view, one of the best defenders in the comp. Yeah. So, I think that's just me getting upset and chucking a hissy fit. But <laughs> I think that's something that we probably got, um, yeah, hard done by. The other one yeah, actually, maybe Zilke as well. Yeah, Emma Zilke was consistent. And the other one that I think a few fans were upset about was missing out on the goal of the year. So Erin uh, Phillips edged out two of our girls in Kate McCarthy and Caitlin Ashmore. Yeah. I think we were stiff oh. there. Oh, we're so stiff there. How did Kate McCarthy not win for her goal of the year? Mm. That was as good as you'll see in any competition. Favorite. If a if a man did that, that would be – you'd lock that in for goal of the year. You yeah. just don't see it. Just I breaking think, away and sprinting about 80 metres, 80, 90 metres, sensational. I think there was a bit of a love fest for Erin Phillips as well. Like, she was tremendous, and we spoke about her last week, how good she was. But I think by the end of the year, there was a bit of a, yeah, a love for Erin Phillips. But we're not better, yeah. are we? Come on, Erin. Give, <laughs> give, give the girls some awards. You've got enough already. Yeah, share it around. Um, so – now to the club awards, Emily Bates won the best and fairest, followed by Sabrina Frederick Traub, and in third place, Emma Zilke. Any complaints there? No, no complaints there. Maybe Emily Bates, like a bit of surprise, maybe to get the the best and fairest, but yeah, obviously all Australian and had a super season and and well deserved. So yeah, you, awesome. you could have picked five, six, seven players that were right up there because mm. all the girls had such a. Amazing campaign, but obviously her consistency won out. And yeah, I think a couple of the early games from Frederick Traub might have cost her. I think she started off maybe a bit slow, but mm. really got into a stride um, in later rounds. So, no, I think that's a, it's a pretty good top three. Um, Emily Bates also won the Players' Player Award. Most competitive was my girl, Leah Kasler. I got no complaints there because. As I just said, she should have been in the All-Australian team. And most courageous was Kate Lutkins. Um, any comment on those three, Ollie? Yeah, really great players there. And they will be around for a long time, as we've spoken about. They've had top seasons. And, mm. yeah, most courageous with Kate, most competitive, like, they're, they're tough awards sometimes because they could go to so many players, but, yeah, obviously really well-deserved. I think you could have gone most competitive for Brittany Gibson. I remember her bowling over um, Abby Coleman in the Crows 
Crows game in the home and away. Yeah, season. it was probably the highlight of the year for me. But yeah, that was out, that was outstanding. <laughs> um, the awful one award, which demonstrates club values, went to Sam Virgo, and the last award was the members MVP for Kate McCarthy. Um, Kate was a personal favourite of mine, so I've got no complaints oh, there. Favourite by a lot of people, and we see. Yeah, members MVP. She was like says the it all. female reincarnation of Acker, I reckon, because she could just light <laughs> up the forward line. You know, she had the oh, pace, yeah. the skills, I think. Yeah, it just reminded me of when he was running around doing the What if she can do a handstand as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Maybe we should um, follow that up for next year. Um, yeah, that's all we've got for this, this week's show, mate. Um, hopefully, next weekend, we're tuning in after... A win over the Saints that puts us up 2-1 in the season. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to you then, mate. Yeah, fingers crossed for a big game on Sunday. I'll catch you next week. No worries, mate. See you later. See ya.